You are listening to the Mary Jane Society Podcast, brought to you by Studio 420, a cannabis-friendly marketing agency. Thanks for joining. I'm Pam Schmiel, and today our guest is Philip Wolf. High Times has dubbed him the pioneer of the cannabis hospitality space. He's also a Rolling Stone Culture Council member and the CEO and founder of Cultivating Spirits. It's a unique cannabis and food pairing private dining experience. These are just a few things Philip has his hands in. Let's find out more. So, okay, so I guess we could just get started and really appreciate you coming on our new podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It, it's so cool what you're doing. I actually found you because I was kind of interested in doing an article on cannabis tourism. And Oh, great. So um, I read that you uh, have been a grower, you've owned yep. dispensaries, and you founded Cultivating Spirits, which is a cannabis and food pairing private event company. And I also recently read about uh, the wedding expos that your co-founder and launching all over the country, coming to New York City, where I'm based. Uh, so I would just love to know your path uh, and definitely want to hear about the private event and the wedding wedding expo. I think it's it's really so cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun work, you know, really have been um, privileged to be able to, you know, be in Colorado at the turn of legalization and, and just, um, you know, be able to create things that I really felt would help serve not only the industry, but serve people. And, um, and it's just been a lot of passion projects. And I got into cannabis before uh, legalization happened on the medical side of things in 2009 and opened up um, a medical dispensary um, when Colorado changed the regulations to allow the industry to thrive. And um, from there, I quickly got into cultivation um, because everything was vertically integrated and that seemed where the majority of the money was at at the time. And, um, and so when I started growing, I realized how much of a passion I had for growing. And then I was actually pretty good at, at it as well. And so I did that for a number of years and did um, just launched a consulting company and you know worked with multiple um, caregivers as well as multiple dispensaries. And I had so much fun doing it. And um, like many people, you know, they kind of feel like they have um, a sense for a bigger calling. And so while I should have been as happy as, as I, you know, should have been in my mid-20s growing cannabis and living up in the mountains of Colorado, um, snowboarding 100 days a year, um, you know, there's just something that felt like I could do more. And so after some time of traveling, I just try to open up my heart and see what would come in. And these opportunities um, around cannabis, the I'll say the insulary side of the cannabis business, um, which I didn't have any sort of view on before, as we were gearing up for legalization until I met this Wall Street banker who was, you know, quote unquote, going after the green rush in Colorado. And working with him as he had no idea about cannabis and I knew a lot about cannabis and a lot of people in the community, um, you know, we partnered up and started all of these insulary companies. And I really saw how it was 
you know, this movement was going to be affected by these types of service companies and these type of tech companies and stuff like that, that were going to come around the cultivation and distribution. And one thing I really took to was the tourism aspect of it. And because um, that was one of the companies that we started um, behind my 420 tours at the time, which was the first tourism company. And um, after being at a wine tasting in Barcelona two weeks before recreational dispensaries opened, I realized that if, you know, it was all about how do we tap into the soccer mom back then? And it still sort of is now, but back then it was really the question. And I was at this wine dinner and I was just thinking to myself, it doesn't matter who you are in the world, you want to be sitting here, even if you drink wine or not. So why don't we recreate this with cannabis? And so I pitched the idea of cultivating spirits to my partners at the end of 2013. And they basically didn't have anything to do with it. And so I walked away from equity and multiple companies and I started cultivating spirits and um, on February 1st of 2014. And with the idea to do wine style cannabis uh, experiences, but as I started navigating what that would look like, you know, there would be grow tours and vineyard tours, right? There's, um, you know, obviously there's cannabis tastings and wine tastings and there's, you know, wine pairing events. So let's do cannabis pairings. And I thought we could just kind of mimic names and, and certain qualities of, of cannabis or, you know, more of the branding side of cannabis. At that point, I really realized that um, I learned about terpenes and no one knew about terpenes back then. There's, you look up, art, try to find articles in 2013 on terpenes and they're just not there. And um, I was just blown away because all of a sudden I realized that I could create this concept of pairing terpene profiles of cannabis with flavor profiles of food to harmonize and enhance. And um, you could almost break it down to a science. So I was like, wow, that's like, that's really legit. And, um, and really brought a legitimacy to my work. And then it got even sweeter because I realized that terpenes give you the type of feeling that you have whenever you consume. THC just gives you the euphoric effect, but terpenes are what drive, um, you know, steer the ship, if you will. And at that point, I was like, wow, we can teach people how to identify terpenes through these, you know, gourmet dinner experiences um, by getting them in touch with their senses. And, and therefore, if um, they can consume something that's going to enhance their experiences before, instead of taking away from it, by identifying these aromas before they even consume. And so I... I was like, wow, that's an unbelievable tool that you can have. And so it really made a lot of sense to put on these dinners. And at that point, I was hooked. And I just knew that this was things that people would want to do. And um, it would be, you know, um, you know, and serve a purpose. And it's and it was a lot of fun. So um, I started deep, deep into it. Yeah. And also, I mean, that's where the discovery is going in the terpenes and the different um, cannabinoids. And, and, you know, that's going to be the future of cannabis medicine and just um, brand products based on those mm -hmm. certain things. So you're that's just mm -hmm. part of you're educating people to get ready for when that comes. Yeah, well, I, I don't, I think, I mean, I think I'm trying to educate people. Well, well, first of all, I'll say that there's many layers to this, right? And so the future of 
let's say the medicine or the, I don't want to use the word, I mean, I hate the word pharmaceutical, but like, you know, the creation of these formulas, right, where people will be able to take and cure certain ailments. And so that is the future of part of the industry is going to be these formulations to actually, you know, serve something in your liver and regenerate the endocannabinoid system in your liver or something like that. And so, um, you know, unfortunately, I think we're farther away from that than I would hope, you know, I thought that would already kind of be here. You have brands like Ebu back in the day who was, you know, that's what they were trying to do back in 2014, 15, and, and they've done a ton of things. And I, I know that they do have formulations out there and I, I don't know where the company stands today but you know that that you know i thought it would almost be here by now but obviously with how slow things are moving on the regulatory standpoint that that's why but i would say that i'm not trying to teach people for that future i'm trying to teach people for the now Normalize. and so i look at i look at things that first of all my definition of medicine is things that you can use daily for therapeutic reasons and just general upkeep to not get sick you know, and to me, that's healthcare is to never get sick. And so, um, so what I like to do with cannabis is, you know, this is one of those, you know, is a, a plant medicine that you can use in a lifestyle setting, essentially, and, and throughout your lifestyle, I should say. And that's what I want to teach people is for them to connect with an intention. Why are you consuming cannabis? What is the reason for it? And then, um, and then use your senses to identify how this might make you feel but in order to do that you also need to be in touch with your body a little bit um and then you can associate that you know those aromas with certain feelings and then connect with your intention of why you're consuming and then consume the appropriate amount to try to get to that place and so to me that's really where i'm trying to guide people is this intentionality and this more awareness around their consumption um and to me, this plant has limitless potential based on someone's individual body, mind, and soul makeup. And the beautiful part about that is, you know, cannabis makes us all feel different. And if we use it with intentionality, it can drive us all into different um, areas of thought. And that's why I think it has limitless potential. Yeah. And also, I, I wondered how these type of events would go because controlling the dose not your events but if people did infused food events you know thinking like how are they going to control the dosing it sounds like a recipe for people having too much so i really like mm -hmm. your approach mm -hmm. it seems like a very safe approach for us to you know introduce these kind of events um by controlling it and not, and not mm -hmm. infusing it yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, our pairings, I don't know if I clarified it, it is done through smoking. Some people think pairings are, you know, infusion, but they're not. It's all done through smoking. Um, and, and you're right, you know, it does, it is easier to have a controlled setting with people. Um, but it honestly makes for a better dinner party because you feel the effects immediately and breaking bread at a table and sharing it with friends, you know, unites the physical bodies and you know, a lot of esoteric traditions um, consider that, you know, sharing smokes, smoke unites the spirit. And so you're able to do that in these settings at the same time, which really creates a nice bond. I, I did watch uh, one of the videos and it just looks like such a really great event. I really, I, yeah. I was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're fun. They're fun. Well, we'll, we'll bring them out to New York soon yeah. enough, you know? Oh, wow. <laughs> that will be perfect. Oh, I, yeah. I see it. I really, really can see it. 
I would say you you have a market there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's exciting because because you know as you mentioned on, on our lead and you know you know from cultivating spirits and then we came to the cannabis wedding expo and the cannabis wedding expo is coming to New York on um, May 6th, I believe of 22. And, and so we're just thrilled um, to be in, you know, the epicenter of the world. <laughs> in New York. Yeah, seriously. You know, kind of the journey that led us to the Cannabis Wedding Expo was from cultivating spirits, right? And, and so we started seeing this ability to how we can really shape the industry through cannabis hospitality and how important it is. Because we, you know, a lot of the big um, dispensaries and multi-state operators you know, they've never even consumed their product with a consumer, <laughs> you know, and here we are um, non-licensed in the, you know, in a cannabis license, I should say, you know, we obviously have like different regulatory aspects around like private chefing and stuff that we deal with. But, um, you know, we feel that if cannabis can be accepted at a wedding, it can be accepted anywhere. And so why don't we do that? And it also enables small kind of mom and pop service companies like Bud Bars and Chefs and, you know, even a company like Cultivating Spirits to market themselves for an affordable cost to these people where, because they need a jumpstart, you know, it's, you start a Bud Bar company in New York, it's not like people are lining up today to book those, you know, now in three or four years ago or from now, then yeah, they probably will be, but you know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, there's a time of growth there. And, and so I think Cannabis Wedding Expo is amazing to kind of spearhead that growth. So for the private events, I imagine you don't worry about having any sort of a license. And of course, it's going to be different in every state. And we don't really know what's going on in specifically in New York yet. But what if you did a if you did a wedding at a, in a, in a, at a venue, what kind of would you have to have a special license for that? No, you don't need a special events permit. Out, You don't need anything outside of the normality of what you normally do, right? So, but there are a few boxes you have to check in order to make it happen, right? So, A, you can't sell it on at the wedding because that's distribution. You have to gift it. And so all of the legal markets have gifting laws where I can gift you joint and it's completely fine so the bride and the groom each bring their allowed amount you know and they can gift that to their to their part you know their guests so so that makes it legal weddings are private events so it's not a public event so you're not doing anything around public consumption which i hear in new york no one cares, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, in other states, you can get a lot of trouble. Yeah, it's definitely loosening up. You can, you know, smell it everywhere. So, yeah. Well, and then I want to say the last aspect of it is that you have to be in a venue that allows it. Mm, mm, okay. Right. Uh, that allows smoking. So that's going to be a really important part. Anyway, that's a lot of work on your side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's different ways to navigate the gray areas to still be on the white side of them. Yeah, yeah. What if, and what kind yeah. of vendors do you um, exhibit at the show? Because you've had one or two already, right? We've had 17. Wow, 17. We've done 17, we've done 17 shows um, around the United States. So we're in six different markets. Um, so yeah, we'll have all the, you know, everything that we just told you about. And then um, we'll have, um, you know, a lot of just traditional wedding companies that want to market themselves to, um, you know, cannabis consumers. Um, and then also like service companies that are just cannabis friendly, right? So a venue that's cannabis friendly will be there. Transportation, 
um, a lot of floral artists will be there, um, you know, musicians, um, mm-hmm. catering. I mean, all the traditional. Um, so I know what a uh, one of your private events looks like, but what does a wedding look like? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't do so many weddings personally. You know, I really stick to my dinners and then the expo. Essentially, I run the expo. So, you know, we sell the booth spaces and, you know, ticketing and, and figure out all the logistics and really just hold space for these other companies. Um, but, you know, as we were talking about some of the legalities, you know, around weddings, um, you know, you really just have to work on the white side of the gray areas. So, a lot of that is around public versus private, um, you know, distribution around cannabis and the gifting law that I, I spoke about. So, so yeah, you know, a big event like a wedding can, can definitely be done. You know, you just have to, again, make sure you work on the white side of those gray areas and you don't need actual special consumption permits or anything like that. So maybe it's not a tasting, but it's just all the other stuff around it that gives it that, you know. Well, you can do bud bars for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean... You know, I, I've done, you know, I've done 220 person dinners with cannabis pairings, so it can be done. Um, you know, it, it's not obviously as intimate and, you, you know, the educational like hosting aspect of it changes around that, but it can definitely be done. It's just, you know, typically more buffet style um, or family style, um, you know, dinners and not as much education verbally, but education that is kind of um, printed on a menu or something like that, that people can kind of read and understand what we're doing with it. Hmm. As a marketer, I'm always curious how someone promotes their businesses. How are you promoting the the wedding expos? I, I imagine through wedding magazines. and Yeah, we make, you know, partnerships with wedding and cannabis magazines. And then, um, you know, social media is really big for us. We have really big email lists. And, and so email marketing, um, you know, we get a lot of people to find us on like search engine optimization. And so since we've been doing this for a long time, you know, if people, you know, are peeping around with interest in cannabis weddings, you know, they can typically find us. And then, um, you know, and then there's a lot of like kind of extensions that you can use through ticketing websites and stuff that we'll lean on and um, listing sites as well have been really good for us. Um, and, you know, cause we can't do Facebook ads, Google ads, and, you know, there's still a lot of struggle around that. And then, um, you know, we'll, we'll create partnerships with, you know, certain um, organizations and certain markets, you know, um, in order to like, you know, extend into their reach. Yeah, you know, you'll see some ads on like websites and stuff like that, um, digital ads and, and things of that nature. But, but yeah, and then even, you know, even still old school flyers out of dispensary, you know, uh-huh. a lot of eyes lay on that, you know, and, and so um, networking events and, you know, team members in all these different markets that can kind of promote us word of mouth. You have a lot of press already, like that is a huge <laughs> list. So right there, that's, that's probably, you know. So um, another question is if you're in different states, I think, are you in five states or four states where you have uh, the private events happening? Um, or is it just Colorado? So Cultivating Spirits is in Nevada, California, and Colorado, but we mainly operate out of Colorado. Um, I'm working on an educational program right now that should be released in the next month or two. And um, we are training people to in other markets to expand outside of those so we can operate more full time. And then um, franchise. And then can't. 
<laughs> yeah, well, we're looking at franchising models and licensing models. So, um, so yeah, you know, it's um, for me, it's about, you know, how can we figure out this kind of like conscious for-profit corporate model? Mm -hmm. And so as I'm looking to expand, you know, I think there's an opportunity to kind of reimagine how we do big business. And people have always said, to normalize the cannabis industry. And I've always been like, F that, let's make it an example industry. Better example industry, then I have to start it by making example companies. And so we're trying to figure out these different types of models that, you know, have more inclusivity in it, that is more equitable for people that do have bottom lines that are just not financially driven, um, you know, ESGs, you know, environmental, socially governance systems. And um, so it's, um, it's wild working on it, to be honest with you, but I think it's really, really important. And so, so whether when I'm at the time to expand cultivating spirits bigger and whether that's a franchise model or a licensing model, um, you know, it really, for me, needs to fall in under this conscious for-profit corporate model. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah. last question. So you, when, when you're in these different, if you're expanding and you're in these different states, I guess you have to partner with certain cultivators because I'm sure the strains that you're using in your private events are so important to the event. Is that something that you grow or, or you... Yeah, no, I have to, I have to partner with, um, you know, I, not, I can't not even, well, cultivators in a sense, but I have to partner with dispensaries because there has to be a legal transaction happen for the cannabis. Oh. So, um, so yeah, that those partnerships are very important for us, you know, that we can get the best flower possible to our clients for what we are doing. And so, um, so yeah, you know, that's essentially what we do is, you know, we just create them, you know, know people. Luckily, I'm, I know a lot of people in a lot of these different states, so I can get good recommendations. And then, um, you know, then, then it's just cold calling. Hey, this is what we're doing. This is who I am. <laughs> Will you work with us? Which I think it's so cool. I think you tapped into it. You're like one of the first ones I've heard of. I think it's, you're on to something for sure. So I, I really, oh, that's sweet of you, Pam. Thank you. Oh, really great. Great. I can't wait. I'm, I'm going to come to the uh, wedding expo in, uh, in New York. I'll stop by and see you guys for sure. Yes, please remind me. I'll shoot you some free tickets and we'll, we can even give you a pair or two of tickets to give out to your listeners. Okay. Oh, fantastic. Oh my God. Yeah. So, oh, that's fantastic. So, okay, great. Yeah. We'll do so that. Just uh, shoot me a re reminder in, uh, in January. Okay. We'll get that okay. all set up. Okay, cool. And so, well, and, um, and I just want to commend you, Pam. Thank you so much for, um, you know, falling in love with this plan and doing what you're doing in this industry. You know, we need so many people with uh, traditional backgrounds coming into this space to help normalize it and, and grow it. So really grateful for what you're doing and, um, yeah. you know, and, and thank you for having me on today. Thank you so much. It was really nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, it was really nice to meet you too, Pam. And okay. thank you so much. Okay. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Okay, please do. Talk to you later.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.